This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 291, Melissa Conkling on Hypnotic Communities. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. It's about showing up, being consistent, and adding value. That's how we build an incredible business in the 21st century. Hey, it's Jason Lynette, and we've got an outstanding conversation with Melissa Conkling this week on the program and talking about her journey, which began, of all things, looking at a hypnosis training specifically for the marketing applications, the odd story of accidentally becoming hypnotized, which is worth listening through to hear that one, <laughs> as well as then discovering, hey, here's an actual hypnosis training uh, process for change. Let me explore that and how that really began to take over a lot of her time, energy, and focus, and now building a thriving career, helping a ton of people, not just locally, but in the wonders of our modern era around the world. This also becomes one of the first episodes, I believe, this has been hinted at before, of talking about more so not just the strategy of Facebook in terms of going live, but specifically some of the nuances of running your own community. And that's that tends to be that biggest trending word in the 21st century of what really takes to build something that has that staying power, the way that even before we launched the Work Smart Hypnosis public community, the fact that there's now an online group for people to discuss these episodes, ask questions to the guests of the program, and just have a general place for discussion and engagement to build more value without, without a specific sales strategy, but clearly that's where people find some of what I do. The way that as we're launching a new program coming uh, next month in October, a new program to a business community of entrepreneurs, Facebook groups being a strategy of that. Or look at the fact that very often you might end up on the opposite side of this, buying a program and maybe as a bonus, there's a private community attached to that to get further support along the way. This is becoming one of the trending things to do right now. And it's all about, as Melissa shares, adding value, engaging with that group, giving them an experience and letting it be an organic ascension to then travel into those paid programs from there. We're also going to spend in this conversation some really cool time giving some of the insights as to working with weight loss how it's not just the eat this, not that, how it often comes down to what is that identity shift that has to occur and the missing element of so many hypnotic processes for change of habits and behaviors, looking at the confidence factor, helping the person really get to the place where they know that change is possible. As the late, great Michael Elner used to say, that hope is is realistic and being that person who can help to facilitate that change. I'd share what's great about this conversation is that many of you might not yet know Melissa's work and definitely check her out. She's doing a lot of really great stuff, not just for her clients and her own business, but also for our industry as well. And that's why I invited it on her or on here. So listen, take notes and put this stuff to use as well. For more on your hypnosis business, you can find, again, the links on the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com to check out the work that Melissa is doing, see access to some of the projects that she's got in the works there too. Also, while you're there, check out hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. That's the all-access pass to my hypnosis business training library featuring done-for-you marketing campaigns, step-by-step -step tutorials, and the real secrets behind a thriving multiple six-figure hypnosis business. And again, as we say this privately, 
what we like to call physiological states of influence, the fact that I'm now leaning in and making small gestures brings my voice to the place of letting you in on a secret. If you want a sneak peek of exactly what's coming next inside of the entire Jason Lynette world, head over to hypnohacks.com. That's where you can get on the list to be the first to know as a brand new business podcast with hypnotic principles is launching very soon. It's going to be awesome. Check that out, hypnohacks.com. And with that, let's jump directly into this phenomenal conversation. Here we go, episode number 291, Melissa Conkling on Hypnotic Communities. It was actually taking a marketing class called Hypnotic Marketing. Oh, nice. And from there, I became interested in it. It was taught by the person I ended up doing all of my training through. And I realized as soon as I had signed up for the class that I had just missed her intro to hypnosis class. So I signed up for the next one that was in a few months and was super excited. I kind of took all of her courses because they're all business related, but yeah. with the hypnosis background. So by the time her intro to hypnosis class came around, I was pretty much already somewhat confident that I wanted to go ahead and do my certification and training and all of that. And then like day one of the actual class, I was like, okay, sign me up. Nice. And then that's pretty much how it all started. Yeah. What I, what I love about that is that this is a you know good sort of helpful tip in terms of how we look about the actual process of learning. So many people come in and they might not necessarily originally have that goal of, I want to open up shop and ask strangers to close their eyes so I can help them to badly paraphrase what we do. <laughs> that people come in. What was that, what was that draw of the marketing of the class? I was working for a direct sales company and I had just joined the company. I was like, oh, that class sounds cool. And that mm -hmm. was pretty much it. But then like, as soon as I watched her video about that class, I was like, what's going on here? What is this all about? Because obviously I had seen hypnosis in stage hypnosis and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't know too much about it. But I was immediately intrigued with just how it works. Yeah. So. Was there something specific, let's say, from the marketing applications of it that really stuck with you and kind of inspired that entire journey? It was actually an experience that I had in the class. Yeah. How so? Where I may have accidentally been hypnotized. <laughs> and I was someone that always thought I couldn't be hypnotized. Mm -hmm. So I was intrigued, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> I've got to get more detail there. When you say accidentally, like here was a moment where just from the patter of it and suddenly there yeah. you were. Or? Yep. I was actually on a flight home and decided to splurge for the Wi-Fi so I could watch the course because I had been on vacation for the first day and wanted to catch up. Yeah. So I'm on the flight and I always fall asleep on planes as it is. So I thought I was sleeping, except when it ended, I realized that I remembered every word. Nice. So I messaged her. And at this point in time, I had never spoken with her at all. I messaged her. I'm like, what's that all about? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, you were hypnotized. <laughs> so, so yeah, if that's not something that gets you intrigued, I'm not sure what would. <laughs> yeah. So out of curiosity, what was the career path before that? I have always worked in real estate. My mm -hmm. education is all in theater. Oh, nice. So, yeah. What what part of theater? More theater history, 
criticism, dramaturgy type stuff. Okay, yeah, because uh, part of my story was being the production stage manager and balancing that out, figuring out in our theater company when the dramaturgs were allowed in the room and when the director goes, I don't want to be told I'm wrong, just keep them out. I'm like, that's why they should be here. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, How I have to ask on this, how would you say that's informed this journey of then getting into hypnosis? I feel like just from working with playwrights and directors, it helps to listen to what clients are looking for a lot and also helps with improv. Yeah. The dealing with specific language and just kind of, oh, let's nerd out on this together for a moment. The, the specificity that, you know, to look at Shakespearean text and how it's the game of the ambic pentameter and then f picking out the dominant stressor, the secondary stressor. It, it's so much of the tonality work of it's not just what we say, it's also how we say it. Do you find at times there, there's a greater awareness to the specificity of the phrasing and the work that you do? And again, coming in from the marketing side first, and then moving then into the helping side of it, what's that kind of delivered to you as, a, as an outcome? It helps with the listening, obviously, but it's also a lot of trusting the different layers of what's going on. Yeah, what do you mean by that? I love that. If that makes any sense. Because people, from what I have experienced with clients, they come in for one thing, yeah. but it's always multifaceted. And I feel like that's very similar to when you're working on a play. Mm -hmm. It's about one thing, but if a play is literally just has one level, it's going to be pretty unrealistic because there are all of these other backstories feeding into everything. Yeah. So it's very similar in that regard. Right. It's that it's that ability to not just take on the process at the, the the surface structure of I want to lose weight. I want to get rid of this fear. There's so much often at times beneath that exactly. that's inspiring that process. The same as there, there's a pattern on a lot of television shows as an example of this. We just started watching on Showtime a show called Kidding where basically Jim Carrey is like this Mr. Rogers character and then it just gets weird the deeper into the two seasons of the show. But it's why you're getting slowly revealed all the other stories about what happened to this guy, why he became this character, why, you know, the, they were separated and they got back together as a relationship. And to see that in many ways, how so much of this starts to blend together. So looking at the client from more of these angles, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And one of the things I work with a lot is weight loss and everyone comes in for weight loss, but that's usually not the actual thing they're trying to change. Yeah. What direction does that usually go instead for you, would you say? Most of the clients I have worked with, it's all a matter of confidence, mm -hmm. self-doubt, because people have tried so many different diets and they literally don't think they can succeed anymore. Yeah. And that overflows into other areas of their lives. So then what's part of that approach for you in terms of, let's say, addressing that? I like to work on getting rid of those limiting beliefs block removal from figuring out things that you may not even know are there, or mm -hmm. sometimes you, you know what the problem is and what's holding you back, but you don't. Yeah. That's usually where I start. And I like to focus on that. that that's an interesting pattern where something is standing in the way and it's not quite, again, at that surface structure level where we can go, oh, I have this belief system about food and they come in and they just present it to you. We wish. But instead it's something <laughs> that, that has to be revealed and sort of discovered over time. So what's what's part of that strategy for you in terms of doing that? I'd say not only, let's say discovery, but also that release work. 
part of it is just talking to them, building rapport before mm-hmm. we even get in. Because sometimes people attach food to their cultural background, to their identity in so many ways. Yeah. So that comes up easily. But then a lot of it just reveals itself through conversation, both before and after sessions. Mm-hmm. So then I just take notes of it to work it into subsequent sessions if it's yeah. after obviously so right right so then from that conversational structure basically asking the questions to do a bit of that on you know that uncovering work and letting that begin to build let's say the roadmap of how you're working with them yeah like i had a client on monday that i was working with and at the end of it she's like i don't even know how you knew to include that i was like because we talked about it last week <laughs> so brilliant <laughs> yeah it was And she's like, oh, yeah, we did. But it was just during, like, you know, chit-chatting. It wasn't Mm. like a formal session as far as she was concerned. So she didn't even put it together. And she was like, how did did you know that? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm a mind reader, too. (laughs) (laughs) Which may include the origin story of my unfortunate take on the fact that people have the fear. Can you be made to do things? Can you be made to tell secrets in hypnosis? And my real official answer is... It doesn't matter. They usually walk in the door and tell you anyway. Very true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there a story that kind of stands out in terms of, you know, finding some sort of unconscious block and the result of releasing that with someone? I had a client who was for something not weight loss. This was actually one of the very first clients I saw. And everything that I I did a few different sessions with her and everything was for something totally different. And she mm-hmm. just released everything so easily it was like dream client especially for a brand new hypnotist but it was impressive because she one of the things was insomnia and she realized while we were in our first session that she didn't realize that the way she was sleeping wasn't normal Mm. because she was sleeping like an hour, then waking up for an hour, sleeping for an hour, waking up for an yeah. hour. And she had done it her entire life. So it wasn't until she went to college, and this was a college student that I was working with, and it wasn't until then, and she had roommates, where she realized this isn't normal. But the sense of relief she had when she released that, and it was not that she couldn't sleep, it's that she didn't know better right. that this wasn't normal. So that was an interesting, unrelated to the weight loss we were talking about, but the way she released that pattern was something that always stuck out to me. Yeah, which briefly, there's the quick story. This is like one of my very first months of working with people and uh, a similar thing that she had come in for, this actually was a guy who'd come in for sleep patterns of I'd wake up, I'd go back to sleep, I'd wake up, I'd go back to sleep. And we worked on that. And the end of the process, he goes, you know what? There's a cool side effect to this. The nightmares are also gone. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, yeah. I have like horrible nightmares every night, but now they're gone. And like I politely snapped in that moment to go, you wouldn't, you didn't think that was helpful to tell me? Um, <laughs> or there's a good example of where we started this chat. They come in and there's more to it than what's presented there. So, so in this journey, is there a specific sort of niche that you focused on or something you tend to gravitate more towards as helping out with? I have been focusing mainly on weight loss, but with that confidence and getting rid of self-doubt 
as a main factor involved in it. So that's, that's mainly where I start. And I find that I can talk about that. And then everyone asks me about other stuff too. Right. So the value of, again, going in with something very specific and then bringing in then from there. So from that perspective, then how are these people finding you? How are you bringing in those clients? Right now, most people are finding me on Facebook in a group that I started a few yeah. months ago. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. So, so talk with us a bit about some of that strategy, because I'd say the to kind of give a bit of a marketing timeline on this, the niche-specific podcast has been one of the most trending things in business for quite some time. And I'd say it's probably since like late to the middle of last year is when the Facebook groups as a private group strategy really took off. So what's what's working for you in that environment? What's working for me? So I have a group that is focused on general wellness for women Nice. with the focus on fitness and nutrition because I'm big into fitness more so than nutrition. But... It all goes together and kind of works into other things. So in that group, when people are joining, they're already identifying themselves as someone who's interested in that or someone who needs help with that. I had one of the trainers that I work with, because I work with a bunch of different coaches, and this is actually my hypnosis trainer, had suggested that I should start a group. And this was back in like January. I was like, but what about? I don't know how to run a Facebook group. So I literally started a group and had no idea what to do with it and then found a training on building Facebook groups. And it was all about picking a theme for the group, not necessarily a super narrowed down niche, but a theme. Yeah. So it can be a broad audience, but people are identifying themselves as interested in what I offer. So it's all automatically warmish leads. Right. Which the beauty of that is that's the same formula for so many other things that we can do, whether it's again, a podcast episode or an interview that we're doing some sort of download off of a website or any sort of free resource that we're putting out there. So this is really beginning for you as that sort of, let's call it out service first approach of providing value. So then what tends to build that interaction for you? So the group Because so many different groups on Facebook are just sales, sales, sales. Hey, want to buy this from me? And this group is not like that at all. It's really all about like just talking, like posting something every day, asking a question about health and fitness or just about life in general to build up rapport with people, to build conversation, to keep people coming to the group anyway. And then... From there, like got to know people as much as you can on Facebook and building relationships and then feeding in little challenges and little mini trainings here and there and then kind of going from there. Right. What's what's beautiful of what you're talking about there is how it's about really building that organic engagement, building that rapport with people you know, building the value first. So then how does that then pivot for you, let's say into the actual now where they're working with you, which are they working one-to-one? Is it a group format? What's kind of your format there? So I start off with the free three-day challenge. And I also do free hypnosis things here and there, but more a three-day challenge because it's focused on the fitness and nutrition Mm -hmm. and building consistency with that, which is what everything is all about anyway. Yeah. So it's a free 
three-day thing. And then from there, I launch a group program. And then the group leads into working with people one-on-one. Nice. Nice. Which is a very organic sequence. And along the way, I'm sure making it a point to provide value the whole way through, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So what's some of the interaction in that group? Because it's where this is why I invited you on. Because I saw that, you know, there's some people who do the, if you want my thing, say this word, which that does work. But the ability to actually engage with people, provide value and give them an experience is what really creates that value as opposed to getting another opt-in offer that they're not going to look at. Uh, so what, what what's working for you right now inside of that? The getting to know people. Yeah. And because I'm not super, super salesy within the group and not in your face about things, and mm-hmm. I have new people coming in all the time, which is fantastic. Like people are finding my group on Facebook now when they're searching for health and fitness. So I have people finding me. I don't have to search for them. Right. Which is fantastic. So much better. But then <laughs> just the getting to know you like, hey, what are you struggling with with your fitness right now? Hey, how's your nutrition going? Like little questions like that. Mm-hmm. And then just fun things like, hey, how's your day going? Show me a GIF. Yeah. Gets gets people talking. <laughs> it gets people talking more than, hey, want to buy this. Right. That's where, you know, that's where people bow out. That's where it becomes something that they're just not interested in and better to work with that audience that that already knows you. So are they mostly then coming in for you specifically for weight loss or is there variation from that? So the group program I'm running is just about health in general. It is, it kind of depends on who's in the group. If everyone is focused on weight loss, I kind of gear it towards that, but not mm-hmm. everyone is. Some people don't need to lose weight, but know they need to be healthier. So it's kind of all over with that. It's broad, which is good. I like that. Yeah. And we were chatting right before we jumped on here about how most of the work you're doing, if not all of it, it's all online now, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. How's that going for you? I like it. I'm a fan. There's just something easier for me and more comfortable working with the clients by Zoom. And they are more comfortable as well. Like I was seeing clients in person before we all started working from home anyway. And I switched some of them over to zoom mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh, I kind of like this better. I'm like, Hey, me too. <laughs> so. Well, it's that there's a phrase I was actually, I think it was a referral. I ended up passing to Kelly T woods out in Washington a while ago that someone had called in for something and the dialogue got onto the fact it was a very specific thing for a kid. And I'm like, Hey, this is who I would call to ask, what should I do? You should just call her instead. Just do it in the afternoon. That way it's morning for her three hour time difference. And what, what the phrase that suddenly popped out of my mouth and I had never said before was they were calling on behalf of like their 10 or 11 year old child. And the phrase was your kid is probably more comfortable with this concept than you are. And as soon as I said it, it became, oh, wait, that's right. There's a generational thing that's happening here. But meanwhile, I've seen everything from 18 years old to the woman who was 84 years old that I was terrified of now mentioning Zoom to her. (laughs) And she goes, I hope you use Zoom. It's what I use to talk to my grandkids. And um, she had a better tech setup than I do. She liked Zoom because she could save the videos. Yeah. Yeah. So it's where we got thrust into this online platform, a lot of people over the course of the last six or seven months, of course, this year. 
and and this where I'm coming around to the statement of it. We used to talk in trainings about how, oh yeah, that's what you can do there, but it's different. And now I'm definitely of the mind. I'm certain it's better. Yeah. And maybe it's because that's most of what we're doing right now and a little bit of self-suggestion. <laughs> what would you say are some of the benefits you found of the online work? Because that's been a theme we've talked about here quite a bit. I feel like because people are at their home, most of the time they're more relaxed. Mm-hmm. I won't say every time. I Some people have the kid issue where they get interrupted, Yeah, which is a, one of the drawbacks. But for the most part, people are more comfortable. They like just physically because they're on their chair or laying in their bed, even wherever is comfortable for them. And it's easier. You don't have to worry about driving somewhere. You don't have to like, it's carving out a specific amount of time rather than also factoring in the driving there, the getting set up, all that kind of stuff. I feel there's also like this greater intimacy to it because as we're there, even though we might be playing the game of, do I look at the screen or do I look at the camera? There's a closer proximity to it, which is an odd statement, even though the fact that, I mean, a client session this morning, somebody who it was early morning for me, it was evening for him in Australia. And definitely the not having to do that commute is rather nice, even though it's just not an option (laughs) right now this year. But the fact that we were there in that space together, you mentioned the kid distraction. We were teaching a certification course last night which somehow created the ongoing gag of just help yourself to go ahead and relax right meow as someone had a howling cat (laughs) (laughs) in the bathroom, but still. (laughs) Oh boy. How how do you, do you have any strategies around those distractions as they might occur? I will say it hasn't happened too many times. I had a client last week whose daughter stormed in like about five minutes before we were done with the session (laughs) <laughs> and she jumped about a mile. <laughs> so, but then it was like once she convinced her four-year-old to leave her alone for five more minutes, then everything was fine. And we just finished up. And as soon as I was like, just tell her five more minutes, she's like, okay, five more minutes. Mm-hmm. And then the daughter left and everything was okay. And we finished up and it was good. But I've, I've had several moments of someone wanders in and I just smile and wave. <laughs> and continue onward from there. Yeah. So then looking at the nature of the work that you've been doing, where here's a lot of the focus on weight loss, here's a lot of the focus on driving. Are are the groups what's bringing in most of the people for you? Are you branching beyond that as well? Or what's kind of the shape of getting those clients to find you and then come in? Right now, it's been mostly my group and then just my normal personal Facebook page as well. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Talk about some of the strategy on the the personal side, if you don't mind. Just going live, Mm -hmm. talking about different things that I personally have experienced, things that are happening in the group program I'm doing. I've been talking about a little bit in lives. I'm starting to do those more because they always end up when I'm doing them consistently, bringing in a lot of people. Yeah. Because people don't ever see the first one. They see like the fourth one. And then they go back and watch the other ones. Yeah. So that, that's an amazing consistent with that. As I'm doing three day challenges on consistency for fitness, I'm also being consistent on my Facebook page. That that brings up one of the beautiful things, which I had to yell at somebody respectfully <laughs> that I was doing a, a live event with a couple of weeks ago, who, as we launched about five minutes in, suddenly goes, yeah, but just for the 18 of you watching right now, 
I'm like, don't ever do that. <laughs> <laughs> because the truth is exactly what you just mentioned. People are going to go back and find that back catalog the same as I can, you know, I've, I, we're using a hosting service for this podcast. And there's a little thing that I've now nicknamed the work smart spike, which is that I can figure out by, by looking at the analytics the day that somebody finds some new episode and then goes back and downloads the previous 292 episodes before that. That's what I did with your podcast. We can see through, I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's where someone, you know, someone re-engages and this is that value of having some style of ongoing media, which take everything that we've been talking about and that can apply to if you want to write blogs, let that be your platform. If you want to podcast, this, this We were chatting before we jumped in that cli this brings me clients too. Yes, they call up and go, I'm not the audience, am I? And it's part of why we have another one coming out in October in addition to this one. We're not, we're not busy enough. So whether it's the ongoing you know, Facebook Live, social media post, pick a platform and just do it. What was that like for you in the early stages of getting that up in motion before this became that sort of ongoing momentum for you? With my group specifically? Well, let's say with the or, either the groups are going live and, you know, getting that momentum into you in terms of the, the, the marketing triggers or what we call frequency and recency. What was that like getting that in motion for you? I will say with the live, I'm restarting again. I had been doing it more in the spring and then just got distracted with everything going on. So I'm getting back into the loop on that one, but it's already paying off and I've done a couple a week for the past couple of weeks. I feel like one of the things that I have is that like seeing the little eyeball with how many people are watching always has that, hey, why aren't people watching me? But then you look an hour later and it's like, oh, like 100 people have watched this already. Cool. So there's a there's a metaphor that kind of hit the other day, which we've been helping my parents to move and, you know, selling a few things online that they wanted to just unload. And it's the almost the the eBay metaphor that you post something at first and then you get discouraged the first day because no one does anything to it. Mm -hmm. And then maybe it sits there and like maybe 40 people click that they want to watch the item. And then uh, actually there's an old baseball card of my dad's that's closing out today. And to see that, oh, wow, it just jumped from 40 bucks as the bid to 380 with a few hours to go. And that sort of momentum of because that's an event, because that's a thing that's happening in real time. But the difference is from the marketing side with Facebook Live or you know YouTube Live or any of these platforms, the podcast as it comes out, that's where I, I said to you before we jumped in, this will get a good audience as it comes out, but it's an even bigger audience long term. But that ongoing dedication to keeping that thing out there, really being that focus. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then looking at the state of where things are at the moment for you, is would you say it's a goal to keep up with the same thing to eventually play with the strategy of multiple groups perhaps, or where's the, where's the focus right now? Yes. I literally have a little post-it on my wall <laughs> right in front of me with different group ideas and group program ideas. So it's just a matter of which one will be next. Nice. So. Nice. And, and out of curiosity, <laughs> is it a big maintenance job for you? Or is just something you have to check in on every now and then? It's not too much maintenance. Like it's the main thing is when I'm posting, just sticking around for the first 15 minutes so I can comment right away on other people's comments because then it builds itself. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. 
Well, it's this has been, yeah, this has been great in terms of really helping to, you know, highlight some strategies that a lot of people haven't quite explored and to look at again, how we can pick a specific niche market that we're interested in, figure out as you did beautifully to figure out, here's the specific slant. Here's the angle I have on this that makes it a little bit different than anything else. And to begin with that mindset of community and clearly it's going, going great for you. It is. Yeah. So where can people track you down online? How can they find out more from you? You can find me on Facebook, obviously. Oh, um, really? I didn't, yeah. I didn't <laughs> <laughs> My group is called Wellness for Women with a bunch of words after it. I forget yeah. what. Like holistic nutrition, fitness, and mind body transformation is the full name of the group. But it's mm. Wellness for Women. Yeah. And then I also have a business page, which I am not too active on because I focus on the group. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, website too, perhaps? Oh, ConnecticutHypnosis.com. That's a good name. It is a good name. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, any other thoughts for the listeners out there? Don't be afraid of using Facebook for business because people are looking for us. And I have found that as I talk about being a hypnotist, where I thought everyone knew, people are suddenly like, oh, I had no idea you did that. And that's where the people come from. And that's how I'm getting clients these days. And it's fantastic. Jason Lynette here once again. And as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program, for joining the post-episode conversation over in the public Work Smart Hypnosis community. You can find links to that in the show notes over at worksmarthypnosis.com, as well as links to check out Melissa's website, her profiles online, and to find out more about what she's up to. While you're there, again, check out hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. That's the all-access pass to my hypnosis business training library. And here comes the secret talk. Once again, head over to hypnohacks.com to get a behind-the-scenes preview of exactly what's coming next, a whole new project introducing hypnotic principles to people in business. Check that out, hypnohacks.com. It's Jason. Stay safe out there. See you all soon. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com. 